wonderful for the Lord? And this is a question for each one of us right now, right where you are, whatever your issues are in life, whatever it is, that thing that God has you walking by faith on, a simple question, is there anything too wonderful for God? I'm here to tell you today that God can do anything. Are you stuck in an impossible situation? Does it look like there's no way out? Pastor Daniel reminds us today to ask ourselves, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? He is our deliverer. He's our rescuer. He'll redeem our situations for his glory. Is there anything God can't do? God strengthens our faith by putting us in seemingly impossible situations and then rescues us. Let's stand firm in our belief that God will bring us through. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 18 as he begins his message, Visitation. Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 18 as we continue this series called Patriarchs. As we're right in the middle of the life of Abraham. Now, it's amazing when you read the scriptures, God's word, and you see this happening in the life of Abraham. At this point, if you think about it, Abraham is well advanced in years. He's pushing 100 years old now. He's got a teenage son named Ishmael. God just gave him a sign of the covenant, which was the sign of circumcision, which was the cutting away uh, of the foreskin on a male genitalia. It's a strange sign. If you really think about it, we spent some time laughing about it last time, joking about it, but we also made the point that this idea of cutting away that which was unnecessary in the flesh was a, an important picture, wasn't it? Because we know that the true circumcision that God is looking for is not circumcision of the skin, but God is looking for the circumcision of the heart. That what God's design is in each one of our lives is through the ministry of his Holy Spirit to be doing what would be commonly called heart surgery, but not heart in regards to the blood pumping organ, but the heart, the seat of who you are. In biblical language, the heart is really the control center of your life. The heart is the place where all of the, the information that comes from your body, that comes from your emotion, that comes from your mind, where that spiritual part of you, the, that part of you that's eternal, all that information comes into your heart, the center of who you are. And decisions are made. In the Bible, the idea of heart, it's actually, it's the bowels. In Hebrew, they thought that the bowels, and we think of bowels as something different. They thought of the bowels as that deep part of where you are. 
where your essential personhood is found. In our conversations, if I say, hey, how's your bowels? You'll be like, hey, Pastor Daniel, take it easy. You know, that's a little too much information. If I ask you, how's your heart doing? You're not going to say, well, you know, it's beating at 120 beats a minute. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. No, you're going to say, hey, I'm doing okay. See, so the idea is, is that what God is wanting to do in our lives is cut away, is to remove the things that are in our hearts that are unnecessary, that keep us from being the people that God ordained us to be. But before God, by his spirit, through believing in Jesus, was to do that, he wanted to give a picture. And that picture is the sign of circumcision. And we ended last time with the reality that Abraham was 99, his son Ishmael was 13, and they had a circumcision party. Every single male got circumcised. And I, and I made a joke about that, but the reality is, is you got to love the simple obedience of that. And the question for each one of us that I left us with, if God is asking Abraham to do this thing, and, and he just does it, and God blesses him for it, What's pretty awesome is that God isn't asking any of you guys to be circumcised right now. So what is it that God is asking of you that you are unwilling to walk in in just simple childlike faith? You can imagine Abraham being like, well, you know, God, I think you're nuts. I'm not getting circumcised. I'm, a, I'm 99, you know. I don't bounce back as quickly as I used to. You can imagine him responding in that way. I mean, that would... You would respond, I would respond that way. But Abraham just said, okay, Lord, it's your gig. Let's do what you say. It's amazing how in the scriptures, obedience is such a, a seriously discussed content. It's always in there. Obedience. Now, as we move into chapter 18 today, now my original intention was to take chapter 18 and chapter 19 together as I studied, I'm quite sure that I'm not going to be able to do that. There's just too much in it. So I didn't want to rush over anything. So let's just jump right in. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, it says this, Then the Lord appeared to him, speaking of Abraham, at the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread and you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said in verse 6, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf, which he had prepared, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, we begin in verse 1 with a simple statement that the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre. Now you notice that Lord, right, in my, it's the third word of the very first verse. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is God's personal name. In Hebrew, it would just be four consonants. A yud, a he, a vuv, and a he. And those are Hebrew. 
We would normally say that that name is either Yahweh or they used to say it was Jehovah. So it says that the Lord appeared to him, right? I want to make sure that we get that right in the beginning because it's telling us who is visiting Abraham. Now notice it says, he appeared to him at the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent in the heat of the day. And so he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, three men were standing by him. So we get from the beginning here in Genesis 18 that the Lord is appearing. Abraham is sitting in his tent where he was living at the terebinth trees of Mamre. And it's in the heat of the day. And he looks up and he sees three people. Now, Notice the Lord appeared and now he's seeing three people. Now, I'm bringing all this up because what you have in Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis chapter 19 is one of the first incarnations where you have God showing up in a person's body. As we go on in Genesis 18 and 19, you're going to realize that one of these travelers, these people, is the Lord himself. And there's two angels who are going to go on to Sodom and Gomorrah. So I think it's important to make this case because it's so common, if, especially if you talk to someone who is of a Jewish background, when you start talking about Jesus being God incarnate, they'll always say, well, that's just not possible. It's just, how is it possible for God to come in the form of a human? I say, well, let's go look at Genesis chapter 18. Because even though they don't necessarily believe in the New Testament, I can show them from Genesis chapter 18 that the Lord shows up to Abraham, who is the patriarch, and shows up in bodily form. Okay, so I wanted to make sure we noticed that. Now, what's interesting about this is that this is happening at the heat of the day. In Abraham's culture, in that region, you can imagine it's a desert, it's an arid climate, that there are certain times in the day that you just didn't travel. So Abraham was doing what was very common in that day, and that's resting at the heat of the day. So he's sitting there, he's resting in his tent, and he sees these three travelers who show up. And they're traveling at an inopportune time. Just not normal to travel at that time. So what does he do? I love this, in the middle of verse 2. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the ground. And he said, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight... Do not pass by on your servant. Please, let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring your morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by. Inasmuch as you have come to your servant, they said, do as you have said. This is quite simply hospitality. Right here. These people are coming. It's the hottest point of the day. No doubt Abraham wanted to get his siesta on, his rest on. It was the time to just relax. And these three guys come, and Abraham gets up and he runs to them. Now, in that culture, well-to-do, powerful heads of families did not run. And it shows the difference between the way the average person was and the way somebody who is following after God functions. Abraham, very wealthy, very powerful, becoming very well known. He sees these people. He doesn't even know who they are. And he gets up and he runs to them. And all he wants to do is serve them. That's all he wants to do. I just did this in our staff meeting this week, talking about the spiritual discipline of service. 
Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom will be what? The servant of all. I told our staff, and I'm telling you guys right now, listen, serve first and ask questions later. It's such a simple thing, except it's hard to do, isn't it? It's so simple to say, I'm here to be a servant. But then when push comes to shove, in the moment, it's the heat of the day. I mean, it's so hot out. I don't want to do anything. When the opportunity arises, so often we neglect the opportunity. But would to God that us who call ourselves by the name of Jesus would have the servant's heart that Jesus had. Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In John chapter 13, Jesus took off his outer garment, he girded himself with a towel, he took a basin of water, and he did the most menial job, which was wash his disciples' feet. Richard Foster said Jesus took a towel and a basin of water and he redefined greatness. And Abraham is a bright shining example of what it means to be a servant of God. He runs to these guys. He bows himself to the ground before these guys. He says, he calls them Lord. He puts himself in a position of humility with his words and his actions. And he's like, listen, don't pass by. Let a little water be brought. Let us wash your feet. Now, in that day, these guys wore sandals. And in an arid climate, when you rolled in sandals, you guys ever hike in flip-flops before? Yeah, you know how that looks, right? You end up getting like, like a dirt line to about there. And so when he says, listen, let some water be brought. We're going to wash your feet. He's, th these weren't pretty feet. This was before pedicures. And definitely before pedicures for guys. There was no metrosexuals in those days. You guys are like, metrosexual? You can look it up. You can look it up. <laughs> All Abraham wants to do is show hospitality. And, and we get from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. That's Hebrews 13, 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Angels, And that's speaking about Genesis chapter 18. And would to God that we would go out of our way to serve people that we don't even know. That we don't even know. Now I know, I'm just going to let that sit. I'm not even going to qualify that. Because I know we're all qualifying it in our minds, right? What about this and this? Abraham didn't know who these guys were. He just wants to serve them. Now I like this because... He says, listen, I just want to serve you. We're going to feed you. We're going to wash your feet. You're going to take a break. You're going to refresh your hearts. And after that, you can go. And they say, sure, go for it. And then in verse 6, Abraham gets his whole family springing into action. Notice this. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. So he goes to his wife, Sarah, and he says, listen, here, let's make some, let's make some bread. Then Abram runs to the herd, he takes a good calf. 
And he gives it to a young man, one of his servants, and he says, prepare it. And then Abram takes butter and milk and the calf which he prepared, and he set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Now, know what I like about this? This is a great picture of how family's supposed to function. Because a family's meant to be a team. Now, Abraham didn't go in to Sarah and say, hey, let's make some bread. She's like, look, it's my time to watch the soap opera, honey. She didn't say, hey, listen, this is your gig. I don't know who those guys are. I don't want to be making any more bread. You know, come on. See, the Bible says that one drives back a 1,000 and two drives back 10,000. And there's nothing that Satan doesn't like more than a unified husband and a wife. There's nothing that Satan wants to thwart more than the unity between a husband and a wife. Because something powerful happens there. The picture of Jesus and the church, a husband and wife team that pray together, that serve the Lord together, that are just available to whatever it is that God wants to do. So he goes to Sarah, he makes some cakes. He goes out to the herd and he doesn't find like the most sickly looking calf that he can't wait to get rid of. But he finds a good and tender calf. I love this because Abram just wants to give his best. He wants to give God his best. And he's giving God his best by giving it to these people. And he gets one of his servants like, listen, make this good. And not only that, he pulls out the butter. He pulls out the milk. He sets it before these guys and he lets them eat while he watches. This is like textbook Near Eastern hospitality right here. And it makes me think of 1 Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, I get pretty convicted. Because it's easy to be hospitable while grumbling, isn't it? It's easy to do the right thing and just be like, man, I really don't feel like doing this at all right now. But we get none of that from Abraham. Now, I always tell people, because people say, well, if, if you don't feel like doing it, should, I mean, should you really do it? And I always say, listen, you should do what you know you ought to do and ask God to bring your heart around. If we only do the things that feel right, we're never going to honor Jesus. So we need to be obedient to what God's word says and say, God, I'm going to do this, but please bring my heart around. Will you help me, my heart, get behind what I know to be a godly action? Now, this is beautiful because this is all going on. Abraham, he's not even joining them. He is simply watching. He's just watching these guys eat. He's serving them. He's like, look, I'm not even going to share a table with you guys. I'm just going to enjoy you guys enjoying the blessing. That's what he's doing. And then all of a sudden in verse 9, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, here in the tent, in verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him in verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The appointed time, I'll return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. 
So imagine this. These three guys are here. They don't know who they are. And all of a sudden, the Lord in a person's body says, hey, where's Sarah? And Abram says, hey, she's in the tent. And then we have a reiteration once again, once again, that she's going to have a child. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. This has been going on over and over and over again, hasn't it? Since Genesis 12. Once again, now many years have passed. Some 20-something years have passed, but now they're getting another word about God's promise of a son. We're reminded in verse 11 that Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in years. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Now, is there anybody here who's in their 90s? Anybody? Any 90, almost 90-year-old girls? 80s? 80s? Now, could you imagine if someone said, hey, you're going to have a child next year? You're just like, uh, you know, thank you, Lord, but maybe no thank you, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. We're 36, and we're like, Lord, I don't know if we could do it again. You know? Because little kids are hard. It's work. You know? And so what you have going on here is you have this reminder that they're old. And I love verse 12. Because they're old, you get a therefore. And as we always say, what? When you see a therefore in the Bible, you say what? What's it there for? Because they're old and advanced here. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? So Sarah's hearing this. She's listening in. Now, I got to be honest with you. Every time in the Bible we have a situation of eavesdropping, something goes wrong. Okay? Now, listen, I know, just like the rest of you, when you're hearing something that maybe isn't meant for you, there's always that curiosity. But really, eavesdropping is a sin. It really is. And it was funny because I was reading a tweet from one of the pastors of our church. He was talking about eavesdropping. I was like, I know what it's like when you catch a part of a conversation you're really not supposed to be listening to. I would encourage you that in the name of Jesus, just turn around and walk away. Every time you get eavesdropping, something ends up going slightly wrong. Something starts going wrong. So Sarah, she's listening in. She starts laughing. She's like, who is this guy kidding? Who's this guy kidding? I'm old. I'm old. This this ain't happening. Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And you know what's beautiful about this verse? It's translated too hard, but the actual word in the Hebrew, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? And this is a question for each one of us right now, right where you are, whatever your issues are in life. Whatever it is, that thing that God has you walking by faith on. A simple question, is there anything too wonderful for God? I'm here to tell you today that God can do anything. God's word testifies of it. If you walk with him for any length of time, you learn this. Jesus is In his message today, Pastor Daniel showed us an example of what it means to be a servant of God. Abraham's willingness to humble himself before three strangers is a shining example of serving God. 
Because Abraham honored these strangers, he and Sarah received a wonderful and seemingly impossible word from God. As we stand in faith during our current struggles, let's humbly bow before the one who can do the impossible. Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life and I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church Online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to teach us from the life of Abraham. We'll hear Pastor Daniel explain how our closeness to God enables our prayers drawing nearer to God, standing in the gap for another person, and asking God to be God in their life are the steps to effective intercessory prayer. May we be such a friend of God that we can ask Him to spread His love and mercy over someone today. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Patriarchs. That's next time. Until then, may God bless.